0: Let me say how pumped I am today about what's happening in the lobby. Listen, small groups is not just something we do to fill time at South Point. It's not just because we got tired of Sunday night services, so we nick small groups like everybody else is doing or something like that. No, we actually looked through Scripture when we came to South Point and said, what are things that are necessary for believers? What are things that infuse life into believers? What is the way God intended us to live? One is the big group setting. This is great. This is exactly what the New Testament talks about. Get together, be encouraged by one another, sing songs of worship, study God's word, go out and conquer the world. That's what we do here. But a crucial part of that is what happens throughout the week when you meet with small groups, people in your stage of life with maybe kids or no kids or babies or no babies, all that kind of stuff, so that you can talk to them about how we apply the things that we talk about on Sunday mornings. How, how do you do that? How do you raise your kids? How do you do that without, you know, killing them and just making others? You know, I mean, how, how do you get through the the terrible 3s, 4s, 5s, sevens, 7s, 8s, 9s, 10s? How do you get through those times? And what's amazing is the encouragement and the real life practical wisdom that comes from small groups. So if you're not in a small group, it's not just something else to do. It's necessary. And today is an amazing day for it. Um, Worst case scenario, stop by and grab a brochure. There's brochures throughout the auditorium in the seats. Grab one of those and look at all the different types of groups, the different kinds of groups that we have. There will be one there that will help you get started in small groups. And what's great about them, we, we kind of do a free market small groups around here. And what that means is we have, all, we have all different kinds of small groups that we do. But another part of that that's great is we don't assign you to a small group. If you say, hey, this is what I'm interested in or this is the stage of life, what we'll do is shoot you some options. Here's what we have. And you can attend those. And if you go, you know what? I didn't click with that group or I didn't know they were lifting weights. Get me out of there. Whatever that is, you know, that you do. That's great. That's why you can float around until you find one that fits in your style and your stage of life so that you can grow there from now on. Sound good? All right, awesome. Grab your notes. Let's get started because we're talking about something today that I'm going to switch it up a little bit. We're talking about, I found freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom in Christ. Freedom in Jesus. Freedom in God. I found freedom. And the reason that we're talking about this today is this. As a pastor, we, I, I, I see it all the time. When we come to Christ, we find instant freedom, Right. We find instant freedom. God sets us free from our past and He forgives us. But what I am surprised about is that we Christians are often surprised that to stay free, we have to really work at it. I didn't get any amens, but I know I'm speaking the truth on this. Because we all talk to each other. Because I'm in a small group. I know that to to stay free is something that we have to work at. So, Today, that's what we're going to talk about. We're not going to talk just about getting free. We're going to talk about staying free as believers. What does it mean to live in freedom and walk in freedom and understand what this freedom really is and what it's for? All right? Does that sound great? And and what's good is that we have people, really great people that we look up to spiritually, that can relate to us. Like Paul, one of the most spiritual, amazing people courageous people in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul, the one that Jesus met in the book of Acts and changed his life on the road to Damascus. The Paul that was killing Christians because he thought they were blasphemous, Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, changed his life, and Paul became a crusader, a follower for Christ after that. That, that, that crazy Paul that had been shipwrecked multiple times beaten so bad that he was left for dead, that he was stoned and jailed and all of these different things for Jesus. That Paul, listen to what that Paul says in Romans 7. So, I always love it when he starts a passage with this. So, I'm gonna get real. So, I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Everybody say amen on that. For in my Inner being, I delight in God's law. That's like all of us, right? I, I read God's law. I think about it. I go, yes, that's, that's exactly what I want to do. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man am I. Paul's having a rough day. Now, in a a few minutes, I'm going to read you the the rest of that passage, but I I want to read the beginning of that to help you to understand that every human that's walked this planet minus Jesus is just a human just like you. Amen? That, that That we all struggle with the same things, and we all, when we meet Jesus, we get free from many things in our life, but to stay free. It's going to take a lifetime of work. And here's the, the, the foundation of this message today that I want us to understand. It's going to change your perspective on everything from today forward. All right? You ready for this? The first thing in your notes is to remember this, that our entire life is the lesson. I know that's super profound. You have to go to Bible college for decades to get that one right there. But it's not just the the bad times that we go through, the good times. It's not just the beginning when we give our lives to Christ. It's not just Sunday mornings when we're at church. Our entire life is the lesson. And throughout our lives, we continue to learn. Amen? We continue to understand what God wants. I can't even share with you right now the things that I'm learning right now because you'd think less of me. That's what I believe. I'm just going to not share them. Because there are things that I go... I should have learned this 20 years ago. Why did I learn? I haven't been even thinking about it for 20 years. But you know what? For some reason, it's come up lately, and I'm having to fight this, and I'm relearning some lessons that I learned years ago. You really want to know, don't you? I'm not telling you. I'm just, I already told myself. Don't say it. No matter how much pressure y'all give me, I'm not saying it. So today, I I want to walk us through a little bit of scripture, like my favorite thing. My favorite thing about being a believer is having the Bible. Like, I'm so thankful. We talk about it on Wednesday nights in our men's Bible study. That what a blessing it is to have God's Word as much as we have it. To be able to look at all the different translations. To be able to see thousands of years of stories and stuff. So, so let's do that today. Let's take a, a, a big swath of the entire Bible. How about that? We'll just take a big piece of that and help us to see that God wants us to be free. He doesn't just want us to get free when we come to Him, but He wants us to work at it and stay free our entire lives. Amen? That's what He wants for us. So the first one I'm going to share with you, i want to show this on the screen because this changed my life right before I got saved. Back in 1993, I'm in college. I see a bumper sticker on a car that says this, Learn from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. And I know you're thinking, well, why would that relate to you, Scott? <laughs> because, because the gray areas in life, the mistakes—that's where I found the edge in life, as so many of us do. That's where we find, like, where I shouldn't go, where I shouldn't be. And and growing up, I remember, I remember this very vividly. Growing up, when I was a, a little kid, I started riding motorcycles. Like, probably, I don't know, it was a YZ80. Little bitty bike when I was probably six or seven years old, something like that, and grew up racing and riding motorcycles my whole life. But I remember at about seven or eight years old, I remember being in a a little race at uh, one of the little race courses there in Duncan, and I remember the, the same couple of guys beating me a couple of times in the race, and me and my dad talking about it and saying, well, the problem is you're not taking chances at this turn or on this berm. You're not you're not taking chances on this jump. You're doing like there's maybe two jumps, and you're doing both the jumps. What you have to do is you have to gun it and clear them both. If you do them two, you lose a second. Well, I'm seven. I'm scared. And really is some great coaching for motorcycle riding, but I kind of took it for my entire life. My dad said, just gun it. When you wreck, you know you've went too far, you back up a step, all right? And that's pretty much how I approached all of life. That's why I have scars on every joint in my body. That's why I creak and ache and have a stack of x-rays that big. So when I became a believer, I had to understand that I can't make all the mistakes myself, right? That's why God gives us His Word. Because there are a bunch of amazing men and women of God throughout the Bible that you look at and you go, Moses. King David, you know General Deborah, all of these kind of people. And you know what? They were all screw-ups, all of them, who never stopped learning, who every time they mess up, they didn't mess up for 20 years, they stopped and they said, you know what, Lord, I, I'm, I'm not learning this lesson again. What do you want to teach me? What do you want me to learn from? How, how can I apply this so I don't have to learn every single lesson in life myself? Amen? And as I, as, uh, here I am 25 years later, still talking about that goofy little bumper sticker that was on the back of that car and how that spoke to me and still applies every day to what the Holy Spirit's teaching us in life. So, so let's, start, let's start with example number one. How about the Old Testament? How about that? The whole Old Testament of the Bible. When, let's talk about when Israel was in Egypt, real quick. Think there's anything we can learn about that? Here's what's great about when we talk about Moses and Israel being slaves in Egypt. Here's the funny part. Maybe the scary part. Do you know why Israel was in Egypt? Israel wasn't in Egypt because they went to war with Egypt and they lost. Israel was in Egypt because of natural things in life. Natural circumstances. They were just there because they were there. Because Joseph, the coat of many colors, Joseph, several hundred years before, Joseph was in prison. I'm not going to tell you all his story again, but he was sold by his brothers because he, they were jealous. He ended up in, uh, as a slave, and he went to prison. But then he ended up as the vice principal pharaoh. Vice pharaoh, how about that? Vice pharaoh of Egypt. And God blessed him with his wisdom so much that he made Egypt prosper in a time when they had drought. He, God spoke to him. He, he prepared them. And so with that, Joseph's family moved out of Israel, out of Canaan, to, to Egypt. And they began to prosper in Egypt. And a hundred years went by, and, and another hundred years went by. And what happened was, several Pharaohs later, several generations of just doing life, they, Pharaoh said, you know what, there's too many Israelites, and how we're going to fix that is, I'm afraid they're going to rise up and take over Egypt. So what we're going to do is, we're going to enslave them. And that began... The slavery of the Israelites, the Hebrews, in Egypt. So now we God hears their cry, right? This is the story of the Old Testament. God hears their prayers. Their man, God, we're just going about life, and now we're slaves, and we didn't do anything wrong for this. We need you to save us. Moses comes in and he sets them free, right? One of the greatest stories of the entire Bible. Moses comes in with the powers that God has directed him and blessed him with and all these things. Moses sets these people free and they get off. Out of Egypt. But how, I mean, what were they gone, a day? And Pharaoh said, nope, I'm going to go kill them all. And he tracks them down to the the Red Sea. That's where we see that incredible miracle. God opens up the Red Sea. They cross the Red Sea. The army comes after them. And God closes on them. They're free again, right? Does this sound like life to us? I mean, they they get out of Israel. They're free. And here comes the bad guy chasing them down now. Going to kill them. God frees them from that. He leads them, just in a couple of months, he leads them to the promised land. Did you know that was only supposed to be a couple of months? Uh, travels, in a couple of months they get to the promised land, they get to the Jordan River, but they're scared. You ever come to a place in your life that you feel like God's leading you to, but it's super scary? In fact, the reports about if you go over there are super scary. Somebody say, preach it, pastor. Yeah, turn to your neighbor and say, I mean you. He's preaching it to you, yeah. that That's exactly, these lessons are what we're talking about. That They get to the promised land, God says, hey, go take it, and they come back, the, the spies that they sent in to check it out, they come back and they said, oh, man, there's big people over there. They're taller than us. They're stronger than us. I mean, they have established, fortified cities. And God said, okay, that, that's cool. But I still I already know that I'm going to be with you, and we're going to conquer it. All right? Is that good? I know you have a little doubt, but let's get in there and get in the game and get after it. Uh, can we take another lap? And God said, sure. And for 40 years, a whole generation, they took a lap. In the desert, over and over. A a journey that was supposed to take a couple of months took a couple of, three or four decades. In church, we could go story by story by story in the promised land about the lessons that God is teaching them. We go to to King David. How about we just skip to King David? We get to David in the Old Testament. and David is an amazing king. When when Saul was king before him and Saul was an unjust king and God had already anointed David to be the next king, multiple times David could have killed Saul. But you know what he did? He said, I'm not going to touch God's anointed. That's God's business. God just called me to be the king. He didn't call me to kill the next guy. Great lessons on authority right there. I'm not going to subvert authority over me. I'm not going to take out the authority over me. I'm going to ask God to do it. I'm going to be ready to fill the spot. I'm not going to stoop to that. I mean, there's so many lessons throughout. David acted correctly, but David's kids grew up with everything. David's kids let in some things that were ungodly, things that they shouldn't have. And you know the story. I'm not going to go through the entire Old Testament, but God allowed the Babylonians to come in to capture Israel, to separate the country, take them to other parts of of the Middle East. And for centuries... They were separated. You know what's crazy about the Old Testament is that we actually get to see a little conclusion of the Old Testament conclude back in the 40s, 1940s, when Israel, for the first time since the Old Testament, became a nation again. You know, that's Old Testament happening in our century. And so you you can look throughout the entire Bible, and you know what it is? It's the quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. Learn from these mistakes. In fact, Paul writes it to the 1 Corinthians. We just read it a couple of weeks ago in our men's Bible study. We just finished this last week with our study of 1 Corinthians. Listen to this verse. The the section, 1 Corinthians 10, is entitled, Warnings from Israel's History. I really hope on my family genealogy does not have a section that said warnings from Scott Morse's life. I really hope I don't mess it up that bad. But listen to what he says. He gives a bunch of those same examples you and I just talked about. And here is what he says. Now these occurred. These things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil as they did. you know why we have the Old Testament? Why we have God's Word? To keep you and I from making mistakes. So that we can look at other people's mistakes and go, I don't want to go that direction. I'm going to learn from that, and I'm going to go toward God. When I have opportunities in life, I'm going to have roadblocks in my life, situations that I have to navigate. My default is toward God. Amen? I don't care if I'm standing on the other side of the Jordan in the promised land. People have talked about my other decisions and said, it's scary. What I'm going to do is I'm going toward God whether it's scary or not. There's so many lessons in the Old Testament. And then you get into the New Testament. Example number two, you get into the New Testament and you see Jesus pick out 12 of who you would think would be the most amazing people to be his disciples. And then you start reading the New Testament. You start reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, those biographies about those times, about Jesus and the disciples. And you come to find out that all those guys are Yahoos just like me. Like even the one that I I really love, Peter. I mean, Peter's kind of the leader. You know what I mean? Peter's like, Jesus, I'll die for you. Cuts off the ear of the soldier. I mean, that's kind of my wiring. You know what I mean? Like, let's do this. Let's go beat up some people. So it used to be that way, not now. But Peter, Jesus said, No, we don't live like that, Peter. You know what I want you to do? You know what I want you to do? Chill, Scott. Chill. What I want you to do is live for me. I want you to kill for me. We're not in the killing business. We're in the Loving business, in the living business. I want you to go live for me. And you know what Peter does? Mister, I will die for you. They capture Jesus. They're about to kill Jesus. They're they're looking for all the disciples, the Roman soldiers, because they're going to do the same thing to the disciples that they just did to Jesus. And Peter's warming his hands by a fire. And some little teenage girl goes, hey, aren't you one of those disciples? And you know what Mister cut the ear off a guard does? Nope. Don't even know Jesus. Who are you talking about? I didn't even know his name was Jesus. I just heard you say it. Huh? And they ask him three times. And the last time, he even takes God's name in vain just to prove it. And then he remembers the words that Jesus spoke. You're going to deny me. You're going to deny me in life. These are great lessons from the New Testament. You're going to deny me. But when you, when you deny me, when you get to that place in your life and you're not obeying, you're denying God, you know what you do? What's our default? We go to God. We go, we go to God. All the videos that we've shown this entire month, they all have a, they all have a choice. When the first, the first week video with the birds, and they talked about success, but the cost that comes with success. And they had a choice that day in the closet. If you haven't watched that video, you've got to watch it when the husband and wife, they're, they're in the closet. They're having one of those days. You have a decision to make. You have a choice to make. Where are we going to go? They chose to go to God. The next week we watched a a video over over Brittany, Kathy, who moves back into town in the very day. She moves back into town. Uh, She pulls up at her mom's house and finds out that her younger sister had been texting on her way to a a wedding. She was going to be a bridesmaid that day and had been killed in a car wreck. And she had a choice right then and there. What do I do? What do I do? Do I, go, do I go get hammered? Do I go get mad? What, what do I do with my life? I mean, if God really loved me, you know, he wouldn't have let these things happen versus those things happen in life. I have a choice, and Brittany made the right decision. She turned to God. Can you imagine what her life would be like if you went the other direction? I want to show you one more video today about a couple that made the right decision. And the reason I tell you this up front, I want you to look for it. I want you to listen to their hearts listen to the opportunities that they had as we go through life we have to understand that i have to learn from other people's mistakes right maybe even the mistakes of people on the screen maybe people that are sitting next to me maybe people like all of us let me learn from them so i can be better for it and be closer to god for it and i don't have to make that mistake all right let's let's watch this video well we're
1: we're ryan and christina and uh we'd like to share our story Mm -hmm. with you guys I grew up going to church every weekend, very
2: Christian family, great upbringing. I didn't go to church at all. I probably didn't really hear about Jesus until I was in high school, maybe.
1: We knew of Jesus is the best way to put it, but we didn't know personally Jesus. And the first five years of our marriage reflected that.
2: We tried to go to church we did Uh, especially when we had our first child Um, you know we were gonna raise our children in church and so we went through the motions we went to church we appeared like Christians
1: at the same time I was dealing with alcoholism uh, pretty severely to the point in which I was in strong denial she was fed up and angry I always thought like well I am so broken what does God want to do with me
2: yeah, we struggled through depression, anxiety, um, alcoholism, anger, resentment, um, just the gamut. The gamut yeah. to the point where we were, or I was, ready to run away.
1: That's what brought us to our knees as individuals and as a couple. Yes. And that was what put us on our faces.
2: Saying we can't do saying, this Saying we, we can't
1: do this on our own.
2: Yeah, I spent so much time being angry at him and being angry at myself and just being angry at the world Um, and that that only when i started finding healing i I started going to counseling i started opening myself up to creating a relationship with jesus allowing myself to be open to that and so that healing started coming and it just outwardly started expressing itself
1: because she sought out a change and made a change in her own life and it was an outward reflection of the change that she was experiencing. And it was that that inspired me personally. I distinctly remember, you know, having this conversation with my mom, strong Christian. She's like, look, you know who Jesus is, but you've never walked with him. And it was at, at that moment, like it hit me, ton of bricks, that my alcoholism was gonna destroy myself. It was gonna destroy my family And that more than anything, I needed Jesus in my life. And I remember like wrestling with God and being like, all right, what do you got for me then? And it was at that moment, honestly, that it changed forever. We found freedom in Jesus
2: freedom from sin, freedom from the bondage of sin. Um, Freedom to look at our troubles straight in the face instead of run from them.
1: Freedom from the chains that were keeping me down in bondage of alcoholism, which I had struggled with for quite a good portion of my life. I'm now just over six years sober, and it's a testament to a come to Jesus moment that really, Saved us, saved me individually, saved our marriage. And now, ever since then, we've found other words that we can fill in that
0: book.
1: We found freedom in Jesus.
0: Ooh, that's about as good as it gets right there. Yeah, give him some love. Show him some love. Ryan and Christina, just like the others, were faced with a choice. Not that um, we're not faced with many choices, but at least a couple of choices. And they chose correctly. Ryan and Christina now, not only is their marriage stronger, but they both serve at South Point. In fact, you'll see Ryan every other week. See him over here next last week and, this, and next week. He'll be over here playing guitar. Never started playing guitar until he got sober, until he got free. Picked up the guitar and started learning how to do it. And now here he is playing in, on the worship team. It's incredible stuff. So as we wrap up, I want I want to leave you with some biblical help on what do we do throughout our lives when we come to these places. What's, what's our response? And here they are. The last three in your notes is this the first one is to realize. Realize what I'm going through, realize I have a choice, and realize my default is to turn to God. Acts or Proverbs 3 says this in verse 5 trust. Everybody say trust. It's a big word that when you go through things and you have choices, that you learn. I I, I see it differently in my 40s as I did in my 20s. I see it different now as I did in my 30s. I'm sure in 10 years I'll see it different. Trusting the Lord. Trust the Lord with all of your heart. And don't depend on your own understanding, but seek His will in all that you do. And He'll show you which path to take. Realize that I need Him in this situation. I need to turn to Him. The second one is to repent. To repent. Repent is such a great word because so many times I find that my choice is me and my way or God and His way. And I've been walking in me and my way is the reason I'm in this place and I have a choice. The, the description of repent is to turn away from our ways. Let, listen to what Acts 3 says. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That's my choice. To turn to God, that's my default, right? To choose God in my situation. So the first one is to realize I'm in a situation that I have a choice. To turn to God. To repent and turn to God. And the third one is this. It's one of my favorites. To resolve. Throughout scripture, this, one, this word is used over and over and over as men and women of God made mistakes, went through bad situations and said, you know what, I'm going to resolve to live for God. No matter what. As I was talking about Moses earlier, I was thinking, Moses did the exact same thing that so many of us do. When, when God approached Moses at first at the burning bush, you know that story. When he approached Moses, Moses said, no, you got the wrong guy. Wrong number, dude. Wrong, wrong guy. I'm not going to go to Israel and do that. And it took God persuading him, talking him into it. That's why one of our core values at South Point is potential, because we believe that we all have it. It's just a matter of working with God to get it out of us it wasn't until later that Moses said I will will follow you and because Moses said yes and God went with him and God did some miraculous things Moses was able to do more than he could ever imagine and listen to what Moses says in Exodus 33 when God said I want you to go do something I want you to go do this thing and listen to what Moses had learned to do in his life Moses said this if you don't personally go with us don't make us leave this place I love that. Moses had decided. He had resolved in his life. Listen, here's what I've learned. I can do a bunch, but I run at the end of my rope. I can go to the end and it's just me. What I've learned is where I'm best is when God is with me. Where we're most successful is when God is with me. When I'm happiest and have the most peace in my life is when God is with me. So Moses resolved to not do anything without God. God will go, but only if you go with us. It's the only way I'm going. I want to tell you, that's probably one of the most important parts of that. Resolve it through your life. You're going to stay free by continually choosing God. We're going to realize that I've got to have God in my life. It's not just for salvation. I don't just get saved and then wait for whatever happens at the end of my life. I need Him throughout my life to stay free. Realize that. Repent by turning to God in every situation and then resolve to not do life without Him. Amen? Last verse, Romans 12. This is in the the message version. I love this version. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity, in you. That's what Paul wrote, that God wants in each one of us. God wants the best for us. Point number two from last week, God wants the best for us. Our goal is to resolve to turn to Him at every choice we have and stay free in our lives. Amen? Would you close your eyes with me now? Let me pray for us. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room right now. As we've sung songs, as, we, as we've given time to come to this place right here, come to your your church, we've worshiped you, we've listened to your message, but Lord, right now, so many in this room, we want to make a decision. We want to make a decision to follow you in every area of our lives, not just for our spiritual salvation, in our careers. Help us to follow you in our decisions that we make. Help us to learn from your word how to how to make the right decisions. In our our relationships, Lord, teach us your ways, lead us by your Spirit, how to grow in loving you but also in loving others. May our relationships prosper in you and in every area of our lives, Lord. We come today praying that your Holy Spirit speak to us and change us. That's what we pray for, that you'd help us to understand what we have found in you, not just... The first time we met, but throughout our lives. With your eyes closed and, and your head still bad let me let me pray one more prayer for us. I want to give an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus today, I want to pray for you. Praying is really just talking to God, talking to God. When we open up our lives and we say, Lord, I realize today that I need you. I want you in my life I'm turning to you for help. That's the first step. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or stand up or embarrass you or anything like that. But if that's you and you say, Scott, while you're praying that, I want you to know that I'm making that decision today. I'm taking that step in my faith. I'm opening my life. I'm asking Jesus to come in. If that's you, will you just let me know? By just give me a quick little wave and it just lets me know, hey, you're praying for me today. I'm making that decision. Awesome. You can put your hand right back down. Anyone else that's super proud of you. Just want to give it a few seconds. This is the best part of the service. Lord, I pray for those today that are taking a huge step in their faith, that are opening their hearts and their life and asking you to come in and teach them your ways. I pray that today you'd forgive them of their past, that you'd make them new, a new heart, a new mind, a new soul today with your motives and your direction. And from this day forward, Lord, that you'd teach them how to love you, how to love others, how to follow your ways, and how to, more than anything, Lord, to stay free in this world. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. We pray that you would be blessed and honored by our lives. It's in your name that This time we're going to ask for some of our prayer team that's going to come down the front. And we're going to worship. And if you have anything you need to pray about, I want to invite you to come pray with somebody. today. No matter what it is, come find somebody to pray with. And if not, let's stay together. Let's give God the best of our worship before we go throughout this week. All right? God bless you.